Welcome to Overthinking Episode 17, where we take fun, interesting ideas, overanalyze them, and rub them to their logical conclusions, all in the name of exploration, education, and most importantly, entertainment. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And we don't- <laughs> This is my line. We don't claim to be experts on any of the topics discussed here today. We simply find these ideas interesting as we hash them out in real time. Get ready to join us on this exciting, fun, and crazy ride to nowhere. This week we're on a secret chocolate mountain in a secret chocolate mine with a secret chocolate taste that is oh so. Bet you don't know where I got that from. I mean, I do because I wrote it. But... <laughs> <laughs> that was a disaster. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. This is going to be a interesting episode. Um, it's For those of you who aren't aware, because this is the first episode you've ever listened to, I'm usually Devin. You, I mean, usually half, the t half the time he's Devin. Half um, the time I'm Luke. Today so. I'm Luke. Yeah. Uh, we traded skins today. Um, if you watch this on... Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, ignore the names. On the bottom of our screens. Does it show the names at the bottom of the screens? Generally, I have no? I have it disabled. Oh, okay. Nice. But anyway, I think on the recording it does actually. Um, but anyway, Devin, we're talking for a long time today. We're gonna be talking for a long time. Did you just time. call me Devin? No, Luke. I mean Luke. Sorry, I was talking my. No, I was talking myself. Duh. Oh, okay, okay. I was talking myself, Devin. Okay. 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 Talk, I'm talking myself right now. Okay, Devin. Alright. Right. We're gonna be talking for a long time today. Right? You need to keep your whistle wet, you need to keep your throat limber, you need to keep your vocal cords saturated with liquid. So what are you drinking today? So Luke, are what are you drinking today? Oh, okay, okay. I actually have a very tall glass of sun tea. Um, sun tea? With, like a ton of sugar put in it, yeah. Sun tea. Sun tea. Sun tea. Mm-hmm. Is it just tea? It's sun sugar. Tea. It's tea with sugar. Well, it, it's sun tea with sugar, yeah. I don't know what sun tea is. It, it's... Tea that's brewed by the sun. Oh. So you can only make it when it's hot out. Interesting. Is that better than normal tea? It's just different. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about you? What are you drinking? I have something special. I have this. This is like three weeks in the making. I have made my very own kombucha. Ooh. Trademark. Well, I guess. No, no, now you're getting the credit. No. Uh, <laughs> Trademark me. It is a blackberry pear. And it's delicious. And slightly warm now because it's been out for a while. But I'm all about making my own kombucha now. I am the kombucha master. It's awesome. I love it. I've grown so nice. much since, like, what, 10 episodes? Yeah, when it was disgusting and you didn't want to keep drinking it. I drink all of it. And that was someone else's kombucha. I made this one myself. Um, but anyway, what an intro, Devin. <laughs> I am not prepared. I was not is, prepared for the first is, five minutes of this episode. This is turning out to be our worst episode yet. By far. <laughs> Which means it's our best. Explain. So, because we're talking about things, we need to warm up our brains, and we need, we need to go down into the closet, we need to open the secret hatch door, we need to go into Narnia, go out of Narnia, visit the Wild Witch of the West, unlock her 
secret chests in the bottom of her ravine. And we need to view our secrets. Huh, I usually do that intro. It's weird having you do it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you usually do, huh? I was really, <laughs> I was so confused. Um, Luke, I mean, I, okay, I don't feel like keeping this up. This is, this is. You're not doing a good job. I'm doing a terrible job at it. Okay, I'm the one who said I'd be good at it, and I'm failing, and I knew I would, and I just let myself fail. Um, <laughs> this is ridiculous, Evan. This is ridiculous. This is the, why would anyone listen to us ever? Um. <laughs> Do you have a secret uncovered for us today? I do. Am I Devin again? <laughs> Did yeah, you you're Devin. Up? Yeah, okay. you're Devin now. Yeah. Okay, because I was prepared to get my entire secrets uncovered from third person, but <laughs> that's too much work, Devin. We're too tired. It's Sunday. We've we, a... you're too tired. I'm I too tired. Anyway, I mean, I, I could have done it for like three secrets uncovered, and I probably would not have been able to do it for the full full show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I had already figured out exactly how I was gonna have to say it. I was gonna read it like a script. Oh. Um, Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I do have a secret discovered. Uh, this last week, I started a new podcast. Uh, oh, fun yeah. Fact. Uh, actually, Fun Facts with Devin is the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hence, <laughs> the hence the name. Hence the name. Right. Um, and so, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I've done, I've done three episodes so far, uh, which it's, it's literally just spontaneously whenever I have an idea in my head, whenever I'm, like, inspiration strikes, I just do a quick, like, max of seven minutes, just a quick recording of whatever the thought is, and then mm -hmm. I throw it up, and that, that's the podcast. So there's no, there's no posting schedule, there's no content schedule, there's no rhyme or reason to what it's doing. It's kind of like the baby version of this, uh, but even really less is. organized. Like the infant version. Right, but even less organized. So yeah. my, uh, this, is, this is what's interesting, though, is um, over the last several months, uh, you and I have been able to build a a small following for a new project that we're doing for our business. Yep. We have mm -hmm. an email list of like 50 people. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have a small network that I can reach out to. And um, I was thinking, you know, it'd be fun to have like a guest on my podcast, right? So I just went and I reached out through this network and I just actually just threw up a post into a private Facebook group that they're all in. And I have 15 people signed up to do, to be guests. And I'm like, wow, I don't want that many guests because <laughs> i don't want it to be a guest podcast i don't want that to be all that i do and that just means yeah. i have to make a lot more podcasts <laughs> yeah now you have to <laughs> so now so like if you're like i want to guess like every like four episodes then you're like that's a like how wait that is four times 15 and like every week that's a 60. that's a year yeah that's a year of guests you have a year so, you have so a year of guests is, my secret uncovered is, you know, as a marketer, you always want big numbers, but uh, sometimes for certain things, think it through a little bit and maybe you don't do things publicly and maybe you invite people individually. I mean, I mean, I just love, like, I just, it's just so, it's just, the whole situation was so funny when you told me. I'm just <laughs> like, like you want, like you, you start this podcast out of like, you're just like, I literally just, you're like, should I do it? I'm like, yes, do it. I'm like, here, like you signed up, you created your first post. You got some listeners, then you're like, I want to get some guests. I was like, go for it. And then you got some guests, and then and then you're like, I have too many guests. <laughs> and it just happened all within like what a few days of each other. Yeah. Yep. I started the <laughs> podcast. 
Um, three days later, four days later, I had three episodes up, and that was when I messaged and asked people if they wanted to be guests. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is funny because I have this like this templated message that I'm sending everybody who says they're interested, which yeah. is basically like I'm like we have three episodes out and we've had nine total downloads, so you know we're absolutely blowing up, and this is great for your brand. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even think half the people that I said that to realized that that was meant as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they are either clueless or they think I am. But well, like... the thing is, the general public doesn't really know anything about pod- podcast statistics. True. Like, because they're it's, hidden. Because podcast right. statistics are not visible. Yeah, um, and most podcasters aren't public about how well they do, right? right? Some, um, yeah, some of them are. Like, Joe Rogan, I think he said something around, like, hitting, like, 100,000 um per i'll be public episode. about mine my new podcast that just came out i'll be very public about yeah, it. we have, have nine downloads so far and everyone who follows this podcast who hasn't listened to mine like yeah. shame on you because yeah, we I don't have, want you here but i do want you there i have so, ten thousand like, downloads on mine but you know whatever so mine's a week old yeah and mine <laughs> is older than yours okay so my, my podcast can beat up your podcast um <laughs> but yeah my, my podcast followers can beat up your podcast followers Nah, I doubt yeah. it. My podcast followers are buff. Nah. Strong. Nah. Your podcast, how, your podcast followers are weak of mind and will. You're my only follower, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> no. Devin. This is the roast of Luke Maxwell. I've long said that I wanted a roast. And this is happening against my will right now. I didn't plan for being roasted today. <laughs> for... We were, I mean, we that's reco- why I'm here, right? That's what I do. That's true. It's, it is true. We were recording something earlier uh, before this, and I just got go lambasted. <laughs> lambasted. Basted? Lambasted. Lambasted. No, lambasted. What does that mean? You you got, like, lambasted. It's, it's um, It means, like, you got bombarded. Like, lambasted. To lambast. To criticize someone harshly. I thought it means to like blow things up. Hmm. I was thinking like, mm-hmm. huh, interesting. Um, what really? To beat or thrash? Huh, interesting. I guess I technically did get lambasted. <laughs> nah, yeah, I do. Actually, I, I okay. I actually have a my secrets uncovered and my main topic are kind of like divided. Like they're pretty even in terms of like content wise. Maybe, depending on how passionate I get about the second one, because I'm going to get passionate about my topic today. Um, but I wanted to, I, I, I remember, I had, a, I was looking through um, a memory, um, a, a picture came up of this um, concert I went to six years ago, I want to say. It was a small um, brand, band, and they were, their whole, um, tour was around um it was basically like promoting mental health and things like that and so we actually got backstage to talk to the band beforehand which is really funny because i barely knew them um but what the, there's two main singers and then uh, and they're brothers right and i see the one guy come up he's like oh he's talking to us he's really cool he's chill he's hanging out and then he's like yeah sorry my brother who's actually his name is luke is it wasn't um he's like yeah he's not here he's he's with his family right now his wife needed him because she's pregnant and i was like my first reaction was like he just left the tour i'm like 
he knew he was he, like he had a family before he left for touring. I'm like, you left, you you went to tour knowing that you had a pregnant wife behind. I'm like, you made this decision to to do this, right? And so like that was my initial. Obviously, I didn't say anything like that. And of course, like he's like, yeah, he went, his pregnant, he's, his wife just said that she needed him, and he went. I'm like, you know what? It's your decision to make. You know, we don't us fans like we technically paid to see both of you. But sure, and the songs are a lot of them are duets. So like I'm like, yeah, whatever. I wasn't I wasn't that upset. Like in the moment, I was just kind of like confused. I'm like, oh, he like just left. I've never, you know, seen an artist do that before. And so we're in, and that that's beside the point, right? But we're in the the concert, right? And he goes, yeah, I know all of you know. He's like, Luke isn't here. His brother, right, isn't here. And he's like, you know what? Because we put family first, and he needs to be with his family. And everyone just starts cheering, right? And I'm like, they're cheering to 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 not getting what off. they paid for. <laughs> yeah, to literally just and the concert. So I mean, it was it was cool. Like it was obviously I, I like the music, whatever. Like it was a cool concert, but a lot of the songs feature his voice very heavily. Mm-hmm. And so they had to bring on like one of the band members to try to cover for him, and he's not nearly as good of a singer as him so he was struggling so hard and i felt bad for the guy because he he, did, he didn't prepare like to, to take over um the lead singer right um and so but and then i realized i was thinking about that i'm like then i started that started the tangential thought of like it's so easy to manipulate an audience it's um and i was thinking about I'm like then i started thinking about okay and i started thinking about politics and i started thinking about companies and i started thinking about pr and then I just started this like this rabbit hole like train of thought of thinking about different ways that public figures manipulate us and we're happy they did. And so that's what I was just like it was just it was just a mind-boggling thought for me today to be like by you can if if you have if you know how to frame if you know how to frame something bad people will cheer for it. Like and that and that thought like and almost anything, like someone even if it's like someone dies like we they look what they look what they did like they lived a great life and that you know what they lived a full life and now you know depending on who they are you could say they're reaping their reward you could say now they're laid to rest right, and you can have people cheer for someone dying you know, obviously it depends on the person and what they did of course you know but um. It's just so interesting to me to how especially a live audience is so easily swayed. And all you need to do, and I've talked, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, that all you need is 10% of a group uh, to be extremist for them to swing the group. And not necessarily to swing the group to be extremist, but to swing the group in their direction. Like that's how little willpower the average person has is that we're just willing we're willing to go away and all of us like that's true for even like you and me we think that we're like you know we think that we're better we think that we're strong you know we're like no we're just as we're, we're easily we're just as easy influenced but by different things like things i don't are, i don't think that i'm like better at all actually um oh uh, well I'm, i i'm I, I, fascinated I at the way that i'm manipulated so, yeah. so that's the distinction is i actually study it and like i recognize it and um to the point there's to wrap, I mean, it's a slight rabbit trail, but um, there's a local networking group that I attend um, mm-hmm. that's 
really, really well done. It's actually, with no close second, the absolute best networking group I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, the coordinator puts it on like a performance, and he does everything very, very intentionally and deliberately. Um, the uh, first time that I ever went to a meeting, I was sitting there and I was analyzing what he was doing because it was so impressive that like I was trying to like I was picking apart his funnel basically. Yeah. And like, like, and I'm noting the things that are happening. Well, little do I know that after I end up joining, um, he actually does a uh, a free training for anybody who's in his networking group. That the whole point of the training is he calls it a boot camp. It, it's meant to teach people how to optimize any networking group, right? Hmm. Uh, to get the yeah. most out of it. So I go to this, um, and in it, he explains the exact process that he used and the exact points that he mm-hmm. does exactly what he needs to get it to work as good as it possibly can. But there's two things he did that were really impressive. One is just like that transparency. Uh, right. But it's actually, he did it the same way that I do it, which is um, a sharing of you sales tactic. Uh, because he explains this, yep. he explains in detail everything that he does. And I was shocked that there were actually a few things that I didn't notice the first time I was there. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, huh, didn't see that. I didn't see that one. Right. Uh, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I learned some stuff. And then right after he shares the view, he points out, he's like, and at this point, this is the point when it's the most crucial for everything that I'm doing. Things have to go this way. And it's the point when people do shout outs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so if there's only one shout out, assume they're going to mess it up. They're going to ruin it. They're going to destroy yeah. the flow of the meeting. And, and we're not going to get the benefit out of the meeting. Mm-hmm. So if only one person raises their hand for a shout out, raise your hand. And he starts creating this like narrative of like how you have to do things for his networking group that gets him paid. Like, That's amazing. As, as one of his playing clients, you have to do things for his networking group that gets him paid. That's amazing. And he does it in such oh. a way that like, it, and it's beautiful and it was elegant. Um, and that's not the only time he did it either in that workshop. Mm-hmm. Cause there's another point where he's just talking about attendance and he does a really good like heart grab on uh, at any given point in time in any group, roughly half the people have pulled the, Hold their Achilles tendon. It's an analogy. Like yeah. half, half, half the people in a large group at any point in time have something terrible that they're going through. Mm-hmm. If you're not going through something terrible, you need to be here for them. <laughs> if you are going through something terrible, there are people here for you. <laughs> yeah. So he's like convincing people that attendance is important no matter what's going on. Right. It's either for you or for someone else, but that's how you make the community grow. And it's just right. absolutely brilliant. Um, and I mean, as a result, um, they're not... They're not public about their income, but it's pretty easy to do the math. They're they're making tens of thousands of dollars a month off of a networking group, right? Uh, on top of their actual business, right? Um, Which is and, impressive, right? <laughs> um, also, and, and I didn't I didn't bring it up, but even your point of how easy it is to sway an audience and to get people to cheer for something terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's like basically World War Two, right? Yeah, I mean that's basically that's basically what I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, it's just and, you're framing it a different way. You frame it as, oh, we're being liberated. We're, we're right. being free. We're we're raising ourselves up because we're proud of our own nation and heritage. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and that was um, the the framing that Hitler used was um, uh, Germany had caused and lost World War One, mm-hmm. right? And as a result, uh, they had been effectively on a global scale punished for yeah. World War One, right? Uh, in a way that was meant to make sure that they would never become a superpower again. That was right. the that was the verdict that the nations tried to create was a situation where Germany could never be powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Germany, culturally speaking, is a very proud nation comparatively to most. Right. Uh, right. So Hitler comes up and he's like, how dare they do this to us? Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, how dare them? Yeah. And he's like, we're better than this. Yeah, we are better than that. Right. <laughs> and he creates this narrative that's very, very easy to appeal to the national identity that had just been like basically slapped in the face. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, that's why when you want to attack somebody effectively, you do not do a blunt force attack because they'll use that as whatever i mean either physically or um um, metaphorically you know they'll Mm -hmm. use that to their advantage they'll use that to uh, encourage to encourage themselves and others to fight back um it's and that's it's it's so fascinating i just it was just mind-blowing to me and especially like coming from a background of public speaking, I know exactly the words to to use. I know the phrases that get people, you know, cheering and like things like that. And that's why I hate the term motivational speaker because I'm like, it's so easy to be the motivational speaker. You need to have a nice voice and energy and you need to say certain phrases and that's it. Like that's it. You don't need to, you don't need to have experience or right. any kind of meaningful message. Right. I know Tony Robbins hates the notion of motivational speakers yeah. because motivation isn't long lasting. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, people call me a motivational. People are like, oh, oh, I see you're a motivational speaker. I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation right now. So sure. Yeah. I'll <laughs> well, just that's take like, it. Uh, I, this, this is me saying if I actually cared about that. I see you're a motivational speaker. Where? Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not anything that I put out. Yeah, I've never put out anything. Says I'm a I don't. I you, you look. So who through, told you that? Yeah, <laughs> look through any of my websites, my content, all of my social media. You'll you won't find a single reference to myself as a motivational speaker. That um, would be me. I would just be like, where? Where did you yeah. say I'm a motivational speaker? Because I need they're to like, go talk oh, to that you're person. Like, yeah, they're like, oh, your website. You speak. I'm like, yeah, I speak, but I'm a motivational speaker. Right, Steve Jobs. Uh, what do you speak? He wasn't a motivational speaker. Yeah. He spoke about a product. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was recently telling a, a friend uh, who I met with um, yesterday. I was like, "You need to watch Steve Jobs' original pitch, uh, like presentation of the iPhone." I'm like, "It'll blow you away." Like, we if you want to learn about, because you want interesting in like product development and product like menu, like like product stuff, right? And I was like, "You need to watch that." I'm like, that will absolutely blow you away when it comes to thinking about products and thinking about how to market products. It's just- I saw something, I saw a really interesting article about uh, Apple recently that um, it was doing a side-by-side comparison of um, what, I don't know, I don't remember the years, but uh, whenever they first came out with the iPod mm-hmm. um, and then when they first came out with the um, with the smartwatches, yeah. the iPod, right? Um and so there was a side-by-side comparison of their marketing and what, like the example that they, they used as their like, as their like cover, their like thumbnail grab, right? Was, yeah. um, I was two actual billboards and then the description, they had their locations, mm-hmm. um, billboard for the iPod was all white billboard, with the iPod in the middle of it and a text off to the, off to the left that mm-hmm. said, um, a thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah, and then for the for the iWatch or whatever they call it, right? Yeah, um, Apple Watch. Same yeah. exact outline, pure white canvas, the watch in the middle, yep. the text off to the left. It says millions of songs on your wrist. 
Yeah. Like they've changed nothing about their marketing because they don't need to. They got right. it right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's why they blew up. Um, mm-hmm. they got it. They got the marketing right in the first place. Um, but anyway, Devin. Yes. We've warmed up our brains. If anything, yeah, I've dumbed. If anything, I've dumbed down mine. No, um, you didn't even know who you were when we started. You're doing better. <laughs> that's just so sobering. Um, that just describes my day. Um, <laughs> Devin, you want to get into your topics today? I hear you. Sure. You, uh, I have a fun one. Um, you have a fun I'm gonna. One. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're ready for it because you don't seem. Oh here. boy. Okay. But, wait. 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 Let me. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you some stuff about some logic, Luke. Oh boy. Okay. Some My terms. brain just tried to do a, a shutdown to protect myself, but I, <laughs> I I I caught I caught the switch in time. All, All right. right. So let's I'm, do I'm it. Gonna teach you, I'm gonna teach you some terms and how they're used in logic, and then I'll give you some fun examples of what they actually mean. Because without the examples, you'll think that you get it, but you won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. That is very true. Okay, so talking about uh, logical structure, and I'm going to use the example for all of these of like a syllogism. Okay. A syllogism is a logical argument that is made in the following form. Uh, premise one, premise two, conclusion that follows by deductive logic. Okay. So uh, the most common example that I know of for syllogism is premise one is all men are mortal. Mm-hmm. Premise two is that Isaac Newton is a man. Conclusion, Isaac Newton is mortal. Right, so follows by necessity from the premises. That's a silly. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably the example that I I'm gonna try to adhere to is we're just be dissecting the syllogism, okay? Um, mm-hmm. So first, I'm gonna do this by asking you what you think, and you're gonna do your very best to define some terms, and I'm gonna tell you you're wrong. That's the plan. Okay. All right. Um, what do you think it means to say that my argument is valid? It means that the um, oh, no 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 wait I actually know the difference. Ooh, um, nice. Okay. Right. Valid means that the um, premises lead to the conclusion, but doesn't necessarily mean that the premises are true. Okay. So right? you'd say it's valid if um, if the conclusion follows by logical necessity from the premises. Yes. Okay. That is correct. So what does it mean? What does it Go mean on. to say that an argument is true? That means that the premises are true, right? No? Nope. It literally means absolutely nothing to say that an argument is true. It's a Wait, nonsensical really? statement. Oh, yeah, an because, yeah, okay. An argument, an argument cannot be true. So, right. with that being said, what can be true? Nothing. Mm. The, the premises, the propositions. The premises can be true? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, so the propositions, by the way, a proposition is not an argument, right? right. So if all men are mortal, mm-hmm. that is not an argument. Yeah. It, it's a proposition. Right. It's a premise. Um, on its own, it means nothing. It's, it's a single standalone statement. And as with any statement, every statement has something that you would call a truth value to it. Mm-hmm. Right. It has a truth value of zero or a truth value of one. Depending yeah. on if it's true or false, right? right. Um, every statement has truth value. The statement I just made has a truth value. Every statement has a truth value. The truth value okay. of that statement is it's true. So right. It's a truth value of one. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, if I were to say every man is moral, mm-hmm. there's a truth value associated with that. 
with that proposition, with that premise. Uh, and I'm using those words simultaneously so that you can tell that I use them interchangeably. Okay. Right? Um, if, if, it's in this, if it's in the context of a syllogism, then it's a premise. And on its own, it's a proposition. So I use them interchangeably because they're effectively interchangeable. Okay. Um, so all men, all men are moral. Okay. That is a true statement. Got it. Okay. So the propositions have truth values. Okay. Likewise, I said it means nothing to say that an argument is true, right? Right. Like that's a that's a nonsensical statement. It's also a nonsensical statement to say that the proposition "all men are mortal" is mm -hmm. valid. Right. No, it's not. Know. Arguments are valid. Oh. Propositions cannot be valid. They can be true or false. All right. But and I'm. Well, I mean, how do we assign whether something is true or false? So, I mean, that, the, the interesting point there, um, it doesn't matter if we know whether or not it's true or false for it to be true or false. Okay, so it's more, right. so it's not necessarily so like... So there's certain things that we can say that we know are true. And there's certain mm -hmm. things we can say that we know are false. And there's certain things that we say that we don't know if it's true or false, but we know it's either true or false. Um, so okay. if I say Lake Superior is the largest of the Great Lakes... Yeah, that is true. Mm -hmm. okay. Period. Right. Um, if I say Lake Superior is the smallest of the Great Lakes, that is objectively false. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like all the other Great Lakes fit right. inside Great Lake Superior. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. that's objectively false, right? Um, if you say Lake Superior is the biggest lake, then I mean that's probably not true, but there could be other lakes that we haven't discovered, so it's true for now. Well, sure. Maybe if if it is if it I mean if it is like sure. let's just um, just pretend I don't know the best lake in the world. I, if I say if I say the Loch Ness monster doesn't exist, right? We don't that's know a the better value. Example. We don't know the value of that statement, right? Right. Um, we know that we have some evidence to support that it does. That evidence is fairly weak. We don't have obnoxious evidence to support that it does, but we also haven't drained the lake, so we don't know exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's effectively what we would have to do is yeah drain Lake Loch Ness, which good luck. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just pull the so, plug. That's a problem. Right. So, um, a, tornado. an argument can be valid or invalid, right? but it cannot be true or false. Okay. Likewise, a proposition can be true or false, but it cannot be valid or invalid. Okay. So those, it doesn't mean anything if I say my proposition is valid. It doesn't make okay. sense. Um, so now, what you tried to say when I said what does it mean when, to say that an argument is true is a different term for what the definition you gave. So okay. if, if my argument is logically valid mm -hmm. and the premises are both true, then my argument is sound. Sound. Okay. I, I was waiting for that. Right. Okay. Got it. Yep. So sound is the term that means that it's logically proper. Both my premises are true. And if, if <laughs> this is, I'm going to make a syllogism about syllogism. <laughs> um, if both of the premises are true mm -hmm. and the. Uh, and the argument is logic is logically sound or is logically valid. Mm -hmm. uh, then it is a sound argument and therefore an accurate argument. Okay. If my conclusion follows from necessity from two true statements, then my conclusion is also true. Okay. Um, so that's the logical structure there. Um, and you can even say you can even be really really strong about this. You could say that. A, an argument is sound if and only if it is a valid argument and both of its premises are true. Um, 
And yeah. an if and only if statement in logic, by the way, means it work. It's a statement that goes both ways. Right. So, okay. uh, which are incredibly strong assertions to make generally. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you don't in mathematics you use if and only ifs a lot. In mm-hmm. logic and philosophy, you almost never use them. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> because it's it's really really hard to get to a point of certainty that that's a valid right. statement to say if and only if. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so the the example for that is most most logical statements and most logical logical arguments actually follow the uh, every square every rectangle is a square not every square is a rectangle yeah like it doesn't go both ways right. and that's how most arguments end up working where you can mm-hmm. only say if so like if it is a rectangle if it is a square then it is a rectangle yeah right you cannot invert that right mm-hmm. so you right. only get one if if I say if and only if if and only if it has four sides of equal length and four right angles, then it is a square. Got it. Okay. So that, then it goes both ways, right? Right. Uh, all right. So now I have given you some edumacation. I'm going to read some syllogisms to you, and I want you to try to figure out okay. if they're valid and if they're sound. And if they're not sound... Mm-hmm then Why? we can talk about their okay. premises about, and see okay. if their premises are proper to okay. okay, I'm, I'm listening. My eyes are closed. I'm absorbing your words okay. to my ears. All right. All mammals have lungs. Premise one. Premise mm-hmm. two. All whales are mammals. Conclusion. Therefore, all whales have lungs. Okay. That's valid. Wait, no, wait, wait. You said all whales. Yeah, all whales have lungs. Okay, so that's a valid argument. Um, as far as I know, that's a true statement. So I would say, yeah, I would say that's a true argument. It is not a true argument because that, there's no such thing as a true argument. Sorry, no, no sound. Sorry, <laughs> sound. Sound. Right. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. That's a, it is a sound argument. Um, it's valid in that if its premises are true, that all right. mammals have lungs and whales are mammals. Yeah. Therefore, whales have lungs. Right. That's logically that's logically co- coherent. Right. Um, now, uh, and then it's also just they're all actually true facts. Like, exactly. A, yeah. a defining point of. The I was trying to think. I'm like, I'm like I'm like do 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 dolphins? And then I was thinking like, do whales have lungs? And then I'm like, wait, no, they breathe air. They don't fish breathe. Yep. It is uh it is a defining point of mammals that we have lungs so interesting like, it's true by definition interesting oh. yeah uh, which is just like the example i gave of the square before the if right, only exactly. if, it's true because that is its definition yeah right it's cool. an equal all sign. right good job with that one all right i'm okay. gonna give you a tougher one now okay let's do it tougher these actually get progressively harder i i would assume so yeah um, okay <laughs> all four-legged creatures have wings okay all spiders have exactly four legs Therefore, all spiders have wings. Okay, so the argument, if the premises are true, then the argument is valid. However, the premises I know are not true. Good. So it's uh, it's a valid argument. Right. And and it it is a valid argument. You said yeah, it's a valid if, argument. Sorry, if yeah. If the premises are true, it's valid. No, it is valid. It is valid. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. it is valid. Because yeah. the validity of an argument has nothing to do with the I meant, I meant, of its premises. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. 
But then you are correct that all four legged creatures have wings. Not no. true. Duh. And spiders. All spiders have four legs. Duh. Not, right. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. All right. Okay. So many softballs. Let's get this. Um, if I owned all the golden Fort Knox, then I would be wealthy. I do not own all the golden Fort Knox. Therefore, I am not wealthy. Okay. N- no, that's not that's not a valid argument. No. Because, because, um. Wait, I'm trying to put this, I'm trying to be logical about this and not okay. just be a Luke. Um, <laughs> spit take! <laughs> Don't Luke it up. Um, the, first, the, the, first premise, the first premise is true. Like, if you own all of Golden Fort Knox, then you would be wealthy. That is mm-hmm. a true statement. Um, you do not own all the Golden Fort Knox. That is also a true statement. But that does not lead by necessity to the fact that you are not wealthy. That's good. not a necessary outcome. That was a good way of wording that. Um, Thank you. I, I which thought is, very hard yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, this is another example of the, what, the example, what I said earlier. Most if statements are not if and only ifs. Exactly. Right? Yep. Because there are obviously a million other ways that I could become wealthy, right? right. And if you're not sure about it, we can always uh, we can always do something that would be like, pulling this to the extreme, right? Mm-hmm. And so use examples that should, if, if the logic works, it works in all cases. Mm-hmm. This is actually something I do in debates and in like just high intensity conversations all the time. Yeah. Uh, if, if your logic is sound, your logic is sound no matter where it's used. Right. Um, if, if, if your argument is valid, it's valid no matter where it's used, regardless yeah. if, it's, if it's sound or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's pull it to an extreme. If Bill Gates owned all the gold in Fort Knox, then Bill Gates would be wealthy. Bill Gates does not own all the gold in Fort Knox. Yeah. Therefore, Bill Gates is not wealthy. Yeah. Okay, I know that's false. I know right. that I know my conclusion is I know my conclusion is false, right? Right, exactly. So and I know that those statements were both true. Mm-hmm. So I, now I know the argument itself must be invalid. Right. Right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. You doing really good. Proud Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. I thought a little too hard on that first one, but we're good. We're powering through. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm gonna give you three more, and okay. then I got a bonus one. Ooh. Because it's like historic and fun. Okay. Let's do it. All right. All fish are mammals. Yeah. All whales are fish. Therefore. All whales are mammals. You said therefore all whales are mammals. Mm-hmm. So the so the the it's no you can't you, there's no there's not a true outcome. So the premises are false. Um, the argument is valid though. Right? Wait. You are correct. The premises are false. The argument is valid, but it is a true conclusion. Exactly. So this is a really interesting one. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. So the conclusion, that's what mammals. I was trying no, to, yeah. not all fish are mammals. Like, we know that's not true. And actually, right. all whales are, whales are fish is also not true because fish, by definition, are not mammals. Right. Whales, by definition, are not fish. Right. So those are two false premises that work together to give us a true conclusion. Mm-hmm. But the argument is insanely invalid. All right. I'm sorry. The, the, I'm sorry. The, the, argument the, is, the argument is valid. The premises are false. The conclusion is, is it's true. A really, right. It's a really interesting yeah. argument because it's like you were valid, 
and the conclusion was true, but and the premises were wrong. Conclusion, right? So <laughs> this, is a, this is actually a good example to use to point out the uh, notion of um, the fallacy of... Um, uh, what's, what's the name of the fallacy? It's... Uh, False premises? Mm-mm. Um, it's... it's uh, the genetic fallacy. There we go. Uh, this is a good example, like a counterexample for the genetic fallacy where uh, the genetic fallacy tries to make the argument that because where you started was wrong, your conclusion must be wrong too. Oh, so, interesting. Okay. Like, uh, I, I see this one in like religious debates where, um, well, the only reason that we have religion is because people were afraid of nature. Mm -hmm. If I grant you that, that doesn't mean my religion is false. Right. Right. Who cares why I came up with it? If yeah. I flip a coin... And I say, oh, the coin landed on heads. There must be someone in the bathroom. Yeah. My reasoning is whack. But <laughs> yeah. there might be someone, someone in, the bathroom. in the bathroom. I mean, we were in the bathroom three episodes ago. <laughs> right. So, and this is a good example to point that out. Like, right. no, like your premises can be false, but your conclusion can still be true. Right. And your reasoning can still be valid. Yeah. Which is insane. Which is <laughs> really dangerous in the hands of someone who does not understand how to reason. Right. Like you. <laughs> All right, I mean, I'm 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 three for three so far. So you four are for four. you're crushing it. Four for I think four. Four for four. Yeah. Four for four. Yep. All right. All right. All Next. mammals have wings. All whales have wings. Therefore, all whales are mammals. Okay, this is another case where the the actually the result is true, but um, the first one you said all mammals have wings. Mm -hmm. That premise is false. True. You said all whales. Wait, you said. All whales have wings. Mm -hmm. That one's that's false as well. And mm -hmm. also, wait. So you said all mammals have wings. Mm -hmm. And you said all whales have wings. So mm -hmm. therefore, whales are a mammal. That's not mm -hmm. that's not a valid argument. Good job. <laughs> Invalid argument. Two false premises. End of true conclusion. True conclusion. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And that, that's actually the one I thought you were most likely to think was valid. To be honest. Well, it, uh, I I was confused. I I have to remember the order of which you put the words because I messed that up a lot. And I'm like, wait, in which 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 one did you say first? I just remember that you said these words. Um, all right, cool. Five for five. All right, last one. I think you should get this one. Okay. Uh, I think this one's easy. I'm thinking really hard. Okay. All mammals have wings. All whales have wings. Therefore, all mammals are whales. <laughs> okay. You're trying to trick me. <laughs> um, okay. The first, again, we have two false premises. Um, you said, wait, what was the conclusion? The conclusion is, therefore, all mammals are whales. Oh, well, that's a false. Oh, that's, that's, okay. Well, it's a false result. Mm -hmm. False conclusion. False conclusion. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then you said, wait, all birds have wings. Oh, sorry, all, all, mammals, all, mammals, all mammals have, have wings. wings. All whales have wings. So therefore, whales are all mammals are whales. Mm -hmm. Wait, let me think of my circle, my, my two circles encompassing each other. Oh, all mammals have wings. This is, oh, no. Uh, anyone listening is just like, Luke. Um, have wings. All whales have wings. Therefore. No, that's, no, that's a, invalid because there could be things outside of, okay. So you're trying to trick me. I'm basically just like I'm like I'm like Devin. I'm I'm just suspicious. 
<laughs> so again, so yeah, it's a false. It's 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 an invalid argument because there can be things that yep. have wings that are not whales. Yep. Well, no, there can be things that are yeah. False propositions are premises. Yeah. Um, false conclusion. An invalid argument. An invalid argument. All right. at once. Cool. Yeah. I was really expecting a, a, a twist. No, I, I told was, you I thought this one was easy. I uh, Well, no, that's the problem. I thought you were trying to trick me. <laughs> okay. So this is this is really, really interesting, okay? Because um, this is my last bonus one, okay? All right. Um, this was uh, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. 1858. He's uh, debating Stephen Douglas on the Dred Scott decision made by the, by the Supreme Court. Okay. okay? I give that background for people who care about it. I don't know what Dred Scott was, but this is. <laughs> I learned about it in history. I don't remember what it was. Um, this is, but this is, uh, this is a quote from Lincoln, and I don't think I'm going to read all of it. Maybe I will, but maybe I'll parse it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it follows, and I submit to the consideration of men capable of arguing, whether, as I stated in syllogistic form, the argument has any fault in it. Nothing in the Constitution or laws of any state can destroy a right distinctly and expressly affirmed in the Constitution of the United States. Premise one. Yeah. Premise two. The right of property in a slave is distinctly and expressly affirmed in the Constitution of the United States. Conclusion. Therefore, nothing in the Constitution or laws of any state can destroy the right of property in a slave. For the slight background, the Dred Scott decision was basically um, the Supreme Court ruled that if a slave escapes uh, from their masters in a southern state and goes to a northern state, that they would the northern state would be required to put give that slave back to right. their southern state masters. I just that was what the that's what the Supreme Court ruled, um, and Lincoln was fighting against that, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the um, syllogism that he presented of what the Supreme Court did, mm-hmm. right? He says, nothing in the Constitution... No, so I'll, I'll, I'll layman's it a little bit. Um, nothing in any state law can destroy any right that's given by the Constitution of the United States. Okay. He's like, that's premise one. Premise two. Um, the right of property of a slave is affirmed in the Constitution of the United States. Okay. Conclusion. No state can pass a law... That destroys the right to own a slave. I mean, that's a valid argument, right? It is a valid argument. Okay, so this is one where um, I'll, I'll continue. This is what Lincoln said in response. Uh, presents the syllogism and then continues. Mm. I believe that no fault can be pointed out in this argument, assuming the truth of the premises. The conclusion, so far as I have capacity at all to understand it, follows inevitably. So he, this, that's his way of saying this is a logically valid all argument. Right. There is a fault in it, in it as I think. Okay, there is a fault in it as I think, but the fault is not in the reasoning. The falsehood, in fact, is a fault of the premises. I believe that the right of property in a slave is not distinctly expressly affirmed in the Constitution. I believe that the Supreme Court and the advocates of the decision may search in vain for the place in the Constitution where the right to of property in a slave is distinctly and expressly affirmed. I say, therefore, that I think one of the premises is not true. 
Yeah, I was I was literally thinking that. I'm like, where in the Constitution? I mean, it says like it's the 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 freedom, liberty, and ownership of right. property. So, so the argument that was the, the debate was um, what the Constitution that explicitly talks about property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean, Stephen Douglas was trying to extend that in the Supreme Court, even that slaves were property, and that was right. actually the the true debate was slaves are not property, and the Constitution does not say that they are. Right. Exactly. Um, but so that's just like a real life example of a logically valid argument that comes to a false conclusion because one of its premises is false. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it like a very important historical one, right? Like that mattered. That was a big yeah. deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. Right. It, it is a it is a big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, and I think really well, yeah. I mean, in the way he articulated that, like yeah. as best as I can tell, this does look valid. Yeah, I mean, he was a lawyer. <laughs> um, I and I think I see like using this, um, really in I I mean I think I mean modern times. I definitely see that in a lot of. I definitely see the use in this way of thinking in a lot of like ad hominem attacks, being like, "All you people are this way. All you people are this way." Blah blah. blah. And like I see that, I'm like, no, just just like just logically that's untrue. And if you look at the world, that's blatantly untrue. You know, I'm like, on no point. Well, is- I mean, as a marketer too, like. Uh- as a general rule, stereotypes are reasonably accurate. That's why they exist. Yeah. They're reasonably accurate for the majority of a population. But the majority doesn't... It's not... It's not... Yeah. <laughs> like, there's there's stereotypes for a reason because people tend to act in certain ways based on what culture they live in. Um, and so, it's... it's Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a little funny. Like, I'm like, no, you're just wrong. Like... You can you can say like most like if you say most then we can have that debate about most and you you could bring up a statistic because that's what you would need, um, but if you make a claim of like I'll put it this way because they're because like they're from a certain place right or, or then you need to be very very specific about the claim you could still be inherently valid to say barred any genetic mutation or accidents all people have two legs sure right. but that's not meaningful right. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, no, the average wrong. person has like 1.9 legs, so we're all above average when it comes to leg count. <laughs> Isn't that funny, they, though? They those <laughs> genetic issues and those like accidents. That yeah. Reference. Like, yeah. Those guys, they make me above average. Yeah. Right? Oh, this is another one. Uh, this is a. I don't know if we mentioned this in our paradox episode or not, but um, I wouldn't remember. You, um, on average, your friends have more friends than you. Oh, I've I have heard this one. It's been a while. I think that goes along with like the birthday thing on like on like how likely it is that there's a, a person that has the same birthday in your room. I think I was reading along like hmm. there was an article like I don't this know girl. about that one, but um, it's um so so the general rule, uh, most people aren't incredibly outgoing, but right. most people are friends with somebody who is because that individual is incredibly right. outgoing, so they befriended you and a lot of other people. Yeah. That person skews the data up. They're an outlier. Right, exactly. And everybody has a friend like that in their friend group. Yeah. So the average person, the average person's friends, friend, have more friends than that. Yeah, that's right? funny. Is that the, the exceptional people who are friends with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. 
Um, I For found me, it... I'm on the very extreme that all of my friends have more friends than me. Yeah. Every single one of them. Yep. I don't have friends. So that's like all three of you have more friends than me. <laughs> like... um, yeah, I know. It's called, um, but yeah, it's called a birthday problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so if really you get qu- 23 people in a room, the odds that two or more of them share a birthday are like Ex- above 86%. Right. Which is ridiculous, right? Isn't that, it's just like, it's so weird because you're like, that doesn't make sense on its face. Mm-hmm. And they have the math here. And it's like, actually. And Luke's like, I don't understand this math. I know. I mean, I, I could eventually. Um, I haven't done, I mean, I haven't done calculus in six years. I did a, I was playing a game with a group of friends last night that, uh, in the middle of it had like <laughs> Devin, I don't have friends. Us. So last night I was having I was at a party. <laughs> I said I said I have three friends, right? Oh you did? Oh I I heard you say so, I didn't have I don't have any friends. I so so I said I have three friends. Okay. So I was with a group of people that one of my friends invited me to <laughs> <laughs> like if you want to be active. And it was actually over Zoom and they were okay. I think we were in four different states between the group. Okay. Um but uh, we were playing Jackbox. Oh nice. And so there's uh is at one point there's a mini game where I went up actually against my friend who we were just supposed to do mental math as fast as we could. Oh yeah, uh, and pick the answer. Yeah. And I actually really, I know for a fact, having gone through it, that I would have been much faster if I was able to type in my answer um, personally because I had to pick. Oh um, yeah, yes. But that's so I ended up um, in the time I ended up getting 16 correct. He ended up getting 20 correct, right? Mm-hmm. And so he points out he's like, I thought you were a math teacher. I'm like, yeah. I am. And if you would like to like see who can solve a calculus problem faster, then there might be a point to it. Just being a math teacher doesn't mean I have I'm fast at mental math. Yeah. Uh, like, what it is means funny. that I can explain the mental math I did. Right. There's a difference there. And it's it's funny because um it, I've had the same problem with that same game, of mm-hmm. like I'm like oh it's this where is it and yep. then you're like oh here wait no that's a negative wait no that's a positive wait is that yep. an eight or a zero. And yeah. it takes up so much time just to find the right box, which is part of the game, which annoys me. Right. Um, There's also this other element, too. I don't know if you get this, but personally, like, I would, I know for a fact I would do better at that game if I was, like, playing with people who were all math teachers. Because yeah. I know that the person I'm up against knows I'm a math teacher. And now all of a sudden there's pressure. And yeah. I've noticed with myself my entire life. Uh, when it comes to the games that genuinely don't matter, mm-hmm. pressure is a negative is yep. a negative on me. Like I, yeah. I like I don't use it well. Yep. Um, so, I think in general people don't use it well. Well, and that's just the point though. Is like that that wording is important is because yeah. it can be a good thing if you use it appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the distinction between distress and eustress is your own mindset on what's happening, mm-hmm. and distress is harmful to your body and helps makes you perform worse, and eustress is not harmful to your body and increases your performance. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, look at you remembering your. I think it was that's like Psych 101, right? Uh, I did not learn that in Psych 101. Oh, you didn't. I learned, oh. I learned that in a class called Human Stress. Oh. Although I will be teaching a psychology class, so maybe yeah. I can talk about stress. Yeah, uh, I, but I I think I, I learned actually, that in stress. I talk psych. about that quite a bit, though. It's very forefront of my mind. Yeah, it matters to me on some level. Yeah, just like stresses. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting to me that I haven't talked about it on the podcast. Yet. I know, right? I forgot. Honestly, I forgot that existed. Um, you're bringing back some memories um, <laughs> from class. But anyway, dude, that's that was it. That was it. That was fun. Like, let's do that again. Like, same thing with the riddles. Let's I like being challenged. Again. Okay, I will. 
I will teach you about syllogisms again. I meant have the... <laughs> have the challenge. I mean, honestly, you'll expect. probably have to. <laughs> every, we'll do that every 17 episodes. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely won't remember it if it's every seventeen. I, I, I think I will because I think I already, I already knew like the basics of it. You it's did just really the, well. Yeah, thing It's a particular wording of things. Being like, wait, no, that's valid. That sound, that's true, and having like that mm -hmm. memorization of the certain words because the distinction between validity and soundness is the hardest one for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, sound. I just picture them as circles. Sound is the big circle. So no, sorry. Yeah, sounds a big circle. Validity is a circle in, in the middle, and then truth is a circle in the middle of validity. That's a really interesting mental image if it works for you because truth has nothing to do with validity. No, I know it doesn't, but it, that's how I that's how I remember. I mean, if that works for you, it's just depressing <laughs> as well. Um, I mean, who uh, knows what you... If I described everything that went on in my mind, you'd be, just be like, that it worked for you? Um... So the, the issue for me is actually, it's really just what is common nomenclature. Uh, okay. Because I say it so frankly, so frequently when I'm having conversations with people, where I say, oh yeah, that's valid. Right. Like, and you're like, and you, whether it's validating their emotions or validating what they just said, mm -hmm. uh, I use the word that's valid effectively to mean I agree with you. Right, exactly. Really, if I was to be proper with my word choice, I should yeah. be saying, I think that's sound, right? Yeah. But, but we don't uh, talk like that. Do, right. So then when I go and I'm trying to talk about logical structures, that's why validity and soundness is hard for me. Yeah. Because I commonly use that's valid in a way of saying I agree fully. Do you think that and, – and I'm not – and I have no knowledge of historical uh, – of like language changes. Um, I Well, very minimal um, knowledge. But do you, do you think that's a reason why – we have a hard time forming like being logical. Um, it, it's because our language evolved past, like when we first defined logic. No. So, I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. Um, the reason that I think, and, and maybe the best example is the word, um, or, um, okay. when we're talking in a rigid logical construct, mm -hmm. um, we have to, we have to use rigid definitions of terms, right? For, and we have to and we have to be very very clear and everyone needs to agree on those rigid definitions right for the conversation to happen mm -hmm. and so these which is different than how we use things casually um if you ever hear if you if you ever do this okay. if you ever have a conversation where you ask somebody something to the effect of do you want a Pepsi or do you want water mm -hmm. if you ever ask a question like that an either or question right do you want yeah. this or this mm-hmm and the person responds yes, they probably took a class on logic. <laughs> okay. Because logically, the way that the word or works is more this, this, or both. So if, okay. if I want either of those things or both of those things, then yes is a valid and sound response. Logic. Interesting. Which is not the way that we use it um, commonly. Right. Right. So, so, and that's why it's effectively whenever, whenever someone actually responds by saying yes in their own mind, they mean it as a joke that they know you won't get, but it wasn't for yeah. you. And I say or, this because or, I do or, it, and so do all the math teachers that I work with. Because <laughs> we all have Or they're just mean it as a logic. joke and they don't realize the actual deeper meaning behind it. 
Uh, um, not not generally. Like, oh, by I know, and large, I know, they're going to have that background. Yeah. Um, so that's just, I, I think it's because the actual, um, the field of logic requires stricter definitions than any casual conversation does. Right. So we define things sharper mm-hmm. and we hold them more rigidly. And in normal conversations and in normal interactions, which what 98% of us experience 98% of the time, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not only not needed, but it's not, it's not helpful. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that's what makes it hard to actually put on a logician's hat because now the words mean way more. And mm-hmm. actually that's also why the right people, when you watch them do debates can tear apart their opponent because their opponent isn't being rigid with their language Yeah. because it's not natural for us to do that. Right. Um, and Anytime you see that happen, actually, the person who appears to be winning because they're tearing apart the language is also doing so in a way that's not intellectually honest. Right, exactly. Because they know what the person meant and they're taking advantage of the fact that they didn't say it well. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 so I don't think it has anything to do with the development of language. And I, I could be wrong. This is just yeah. my impression based on having taken the courses. Yeah, is... I just wonder, like, when we were like, because, I mean, obviously, logic didn't start in English. Um, so like when we translated like, like, you know, um, education and logic, um, to the English language, um, I wonder if like, we were like, okay, this, cause this is what these mean. So this is why we're translating them. Then the words evolves, but obviously the words we use in logic can't evolve. Otherwise all of knowledge is, is meaningless because you're like, what do you mean by or? You know, mm-hmm. like that, the, all of a sudden we have to decode all of these, you know, um, it basically like, it's like, it's like, it's like a math change evolved, you know, all, all prior math becomes useless. Um, so yeah, so I'm just wondering like if, if it was like, if it was like that and then it evolved, but of course then, then again, English is not a, a, a single language, right? It's spoken a lot well, of different so ways in a lot of different places. Even when you think about it too, like. The, the definition of valid is it's used in a logical construct, right? Yeah. And then compare that to the way that I use it casually. Right. Um, that's valid. That's logically coherent. Yeah. Right? Because that, that's what valid means is it's right. logically coherent, right? Yeah. So if I'm trying to validate what you're saying and I say that that's valid, or if I say that's logically coherent, I'm sure there's a very, very large overlap to where those are effectively equal. Yeah. And there's the nuances of, no, I don't just mean it's logically coherent. I also mean it's right. Yeah. And then I'll, like, I will still commonly use the word valid. Like, Interesting. Uh, um, but, and then I do use, I do use it loosely because there's plenty of times where like, oh, people will be talking. I'm like, that's valid. And like, I can see how you got there. Mm-hmm. I disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but I see how you got there. Right. Or exactly. talking about emotions, right? Oh, yep. oh you feel it. Yeah. That, that's valid. It's valid that you feel that way. Should mm-hmm. you feel that way? Of course not. Almost ever, because yeah. we like. But <laughs> someone goes, someone goes to Devin. I feel, I feel this way anyway. I feel anything. I understand, but you shouldn't be. You should be feeling something else. What? <laughs> anything um, else? Just not what like, you're currently like, feeling. <laughs> like I, I'm, I feel so mad. I'm so angry. Should I be? Should, I, I, I'm so upset. That's valid. Yeah. I, so I should be upset. I did not say that. Right. No, yeah. I, exactly. No. No. <laughs> Hold yeah. on. Yeah. I didn't say you um, should be. I said that you are. Yeah. I said I understand why you're upset. Like, yeah. That's valid. And right. I guess I could even be more shallow. Like, no. Like I said, that's valid because it sounds like I'm agreeing with you, but just based on empirical data, I knew you were upset. So. <laughs> and then they slap you in the face because they're angry, and they storm <laughs> off, and then they. 
I don't know what they do. Right. Then they come. This down is like uh, ice cream. this. This is like um, when a logician tries to have a relationship. They're like <laughs> they learn to say things in ways that are like ambiguous to them because they yeah. sound good to the other person. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I had this joke. I, I said this to Grace once. I was like, if a if a logician were to try to write a poem, mm-hmm. it goes, um, your beauty shines. Well, I guess like the moon, because I can't look at the sun and I can't take my eyes off you, but the new, the moon reflects light. So your beauty, it shines like the moon. <laughs> and then they just keep going and they just keep like taking down the cup. Right. Exactly. Being like, yeah, no, actually that is inaccurate. Like you smell like roses. Well, roses actually don't like smell that strongly. So I just right. think you have like a really weak right. scent about you. Um, <laughs> like you, you, you smell more like uh, like you took the abs the abstract of roses and concentrated it. <laughs> That's where you smell like a bunch of important potent rose. Uh, no, like, you smell like rose concentrate. <laughs> and so the funny thing and is vanilla like, extract. The funny thing is, this is what it sounds like in real time as the logician thinks through it. Right, exactly. But the ending poetry is. Your beauty shines like the moon. You yeah, smell exactly. like rose extract. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, right? And it reads like a grocery list of like <laughs> backhanded compliments. Right, exactly. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing with any kind of nerdy, like it's the same thing with any kind of very specialized language to a specific um, industry. Like you take any kind of nerdy talk, like like um, with D&D, I do this all the time where someone will be like, I'll like, or like stumble or something I'm like oh i'm not in my preferred terrain and like that means a very specific thing in D, and it has numbers associated with it in D. but to someone on the outside like your preferred terrain no, you don't like concrete like like right so like um that, that's one of my favorites um, you're like no i'm just saying that in general if i wasn't my preferred terrain i wouldn't have to do an acrobatics check every time i took a step like exactly i was just, it was a it was a tumblr post for me like i oh i go i i get home i escape to my room and i lay down and all of a sudden i just under like the whole world just feels better and someone's like yeah because you're in your preferred terrain <laughs> like my bedroom is my preferred terrain um but yeah it's it's really funny like just using like D talk um is really is is really is it's just it's funny to me um, because it's literally role playing with numbers mm-hmm. associated with it, so it's applicable to everything you do in life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to, like, if you're trying to buy an apple, you're like, "Can I roll a a, a survival check uh, <laughs> on this?" Well, it's like uh, imagine you're like um, you're trying to sell door to door, right? Yeah, like just like I, I want Rome I want persuasion. this to happen one day. I want this to happen one day where I'm literally like trying to sell something to somebody, and the response is. Roll, roll a for a persuasion check. And you roll a nat 20, they're like, cool, I buy it. Yes, no, yes. Actually, if someone actually told me that, okay, I would want no. to roll to dictate whether or not they buy it. Next, next, time, next time I get like evangelist or someone like knocking at my door, I'm just going to take out a d20 and go, roll for persuasion. Right? I'm like, they, they roll like a three. I'm like, nope, I don't care what you have to say. Right. <laughs> take it back. Um, right. Then I'm like, oh, the other one. I'm like, no, the other one can roll because it'll come in pairs, right? He right. rolls like a nat 20. I'm like, he talks to me. I don't like you. No, roll for persuasion. Roll a three. Okay. Doesn't matter what you say. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this conversation believing that you believe that the world is made out of Swiss cheese. Um, roll for persuasion. Nat twenty. Okay. Your word is gospel. Go. <laughs> oh, and that's it. 
I'm, I mean, talking about we, we were we were gonna t- we, at one point we we're gonna talk about uh, about what a nat twenty means, right? I don't know. You oh said yes, you, you yes, said you want to talk about it. Oh, about, yeah. Okay. What was my um? What does nat twenty mean? Honestly, oh, I'm saving I'm saving this. my topic for next week. Let's talk about this. Let's see if I can remember this. I had um, but what a nat twenty, what a nat one actually means in real life. Yeah, what um, it what it right. means. Yeah. So, um, so I'll start with a nat one, okay? Because uh, you can roll anything, right? Like right. You have a 5% chance of rolling anything. Right. So there is a 90% It doesn't feel chance. like that, but... Right. <laughs> so, there, so there's a 90% chance that you roll something that is... There's a 95% chance you roll something better than a nat 1. Right. There's a 90% chance that you roll somewhere between 1 and 20 and that you don't roll yeah. 1 or 20, right? Right. So um, if you roll a nat 1, the universe is literally telling you you're part of the bottom 5% people on the planet. And like, you're pathetic and you should give up and quit. Like, <laughs> well, No, 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 wait, 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 wait. That that just did like the 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 secrets uncovered in my brain. Literally, that's what played. Like my my brain just opened a new window. I feel like I just unlocked a new level in my brain. When DMing, there's a huge discussion. Uh, and if you don't know about anything about D and D, you're this gonna funny, actually, you're so gonna hate the next really ten quick. minutes. Just really quick, um, I asked Luke today if he had his topic figured out already. And had he told me no, I was going to ask him if he just wanted to talk about D and D. No, I was gonna talk about so, D and D, but I couldn't think about like things that would actually be interesting about. It. <laughs> you want to talk about D and D anyway? This is so perfect. <laughs> this, this is like perfect. The universe conspiring. Yeah. Well, like, funny thing is too. We're talking about D and D on episode seventeen. I was you were we were talking about Apple earlier, and I was gonna actually my topic was relating to Apple, but we'll save that. So spicy details for next week. So. There's a huge discussion about what does a nat 1 and a nat 20 mean? So the best roll and the worst roll, right? What does that actually mean? Because pe- some people say automatic failure or automatic win. And then the majority of the camp will say, no, just because you roll a 20 doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want. And just because you roll a 1 doesn't mean that you stab yourself and die. They're like, there's gradation to it. And I think mm-hmm. that is the perfect um way of seeing like if i roll let's say i roll a um an animal handling check right okay on a horse i'm trying to mount a horse right and um and i roll a nat one that means the bottom five percent of people i act like them when handling a horse which means i'm going to be terrified try to grab at it then get hit by the horse and it's gonna kick me yeah like the bottom five percent right that's how i act right and and I would say also the bottom five percent of horses, like because there's something in, interacting with that. Whereas mm-hmm. if I roll a nat twenty, then I'm in the top five percent of horse riders. Right, you're you're you can make a career out of teaching people how to ride horses. Exactly, and <laughs> I can ride professionally. I can do pretty much anything a horse can do. Mm-hmm. I can I can do with this horse, right? Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's a really fascinating way of looking at it. And just averaging and basically being like, okay, the average of the five of the top five percent, or average of the bottom five percent, and then even carrying that through all the numbers. You roll a mm-hmm. ten, you're like, it's completely because I tend when yeah, I when I DM an eleven, then you are perfectly average, right? Right. And when I because when I DM, I tend well, I mean, typically a DM will have something assigned to it, right? So they say in their own mind or in their notes to say if you roll a twelve or higher, then you succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of instead of that, instead of playing it with with the gradation, instead of pass or fail, basically assigning the grade and being like, oh, you rolled a nine. It's not a fail 
but you just did it a little worse than average. So like you try to pick the lock worse than average. The average person cannot pick a lock and you did it worse than the average person. So you try and your lock pick gets stuck. Right. Because the average person would probably have that happen. Right. And most, most DMs, if you roll anything like a three, they're going to treat that like bottom 1%. Right. Exactly. And then, and then, if you roll a nat one, they're gonna say you killed yourself while picking the lock. Like, yeah, which I hate DM. D, I hate DMs that that do that. And they're like, like I roll it. Like if I roll a critical on like shooting an arrow, they're like, oh, the arrow misfires and it shoots you instead. I'm like, that's not physically possible. That's not how bows work. Right. No, I mean, the okay. So let's say you're you're shooting you're shooting a bow and arrow, right? Right. And you're shooting, let's say thirty feet. Right. Um and Probably, there's probably somebody in your campaign who's really close to your opponent. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're trying to shoot past them, and you roll on that one. You don't hit either of them. Yeah. Because the average, like the bottom 5% of people yeah. are not hitting anywhere near that Exactly. Area. And that's, I think that's so perfect because and it's not... I think not... if you roll like a 6, you're probably yeah. going to end up hitting your Because opponent. I think they treat <laughs> it like the bottom 5% of like the worst thing possible. It's like the right. worst. It's like, so what's like, the they worst treat... thing I can come up with? They treat right? it, yeah, they treat it like an un... the most unlucky thing. Where in reality, no, you failed at your task. Your task was to shoot. So this happened in the campaign that I was doing, and it—he was a first-time DM. He planned mm-hmm. so hard. Like he was—he's a, a sweet guy. Like I have nothing. Like his DM style was fine, but this guy who on our team kept on rolling like fives and sixes, and I was next to the enemy. So he's like, "Well, your knife hits him." So I kept on getting hit by my teammate because he kept on throwing knives and, and rolling too so low. So that roll. Throwing a knife, I might yeah. do the same thing. Yeah, well, okay, a five, okay, the five or six, yes. Um, but I think at one point, this, this, I mean, he's a rogue, so he's either rolling like thirties or he's rolling that ones. Like, there's no in between with when it comes to rogues. They're the most insane, the most insane rolls. Um, yep. I don't, the guy didn't roll. He, I don't think he rolled under a twenty, except he rolled nat ones. Which is in, it's just he's so. Like was it a nat one that ended up being a six? Um, I think so. If I remember correctly, okay. It was, it was so like, I might, I might, yeah. That, that's the hardest one too. Is yeah. When you're actually thinking about like, what are their modifiers? Yeah. And, no. Yeah. Of course, the modifiers and then, and like, then the, the actual skill set that comes in, and that's a lot to handle mm-hmm. when you're talking when you're going through combat. So it's like take forever. But, so um, it's like almost you almost have to adjust to like, okay, so you're in the bottom five percent of rogues. Exactly. You're not. So you you got in that one. You get a six. You're bottom five percent of rogues. You're not the bottom five percent of people. Exactly. So, so you're not going to do as bad as most people. You're going to do as bad as like yeah. the worst rogues. Well, you're talking no, and you're right? talking and about that, someone who's who's proficient with that weapon too. So you're talking you if you entered a competition with the top, if you entered the Olympics, you're last. Mm-hmm. That's the level of skill, which is completely different from being the worst person ever to throw a knife. Yep. Right. Whereas if it's something I'm not proficient in, if it's something like um my um I my favorite character is a bard, I love my bard so much. Right. He's a halfling so maybe bard. A one, maybe a nat one for that rogue. Maybe he's getting a six. Maybe a nat one is like it whizzes over his head. Yeah, it goes between his legs. Right, exactly. Like you're you're missing. Right, but so. you're not missing so terribly that like we don't know who you were aiming for. Exactly. Right. Because if you talk about expert marksmen. They miss very narrowly, mm-hmm. like very and, narrowly. And even compare that to the example, like um, the campaign that I'm playing right now. I'm a uh, I'm I'm a bard. Yeah. And <laughs> we're both bards. Are you? Is right? anyone surprised? 
Um, I'm a bard, and I, I'm, I've done everything I can to make sure that my bard cannot fight, basically. Yeah. Like, he's, he's got some pretty decent spells in his back pocket, and everything is tried to make... Like, his goal in life is to, like, win every issue that ever comes up by talking to people. That's yeah. his goal in life. Yeah. Um, so, when he pulls out a weapon, the weapon he pulls out is a crossbow. Mm-hmm. He was... Backstory, he's been excommunicated from a church for teaching um, sacrilegious beliefs. Right. Um, so that's so he's clergy mm-hmm. and a bard. Yeah. Um, and he's a half-elf, so he has some natural ability. But, mm-hmm. like, for the most part, like, this guy's no marksman. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what to do with a crossbow. That's why he has a crossbow and not a bow. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And he's just, like, trying to stay out of the line of fire and basically running away with this crossbow. Mm-hmm. If he rolls a nat one, He's aiming directly in front of him. He should hit something that's like thirty feet to the right. Yeah. Cause like if depending on distance, but he should just right. be like way off. Right. Right. And maybe maybe hit maybe he wouldn't have hitting a team member, but only if there's a team member that's like thirty feet to my right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um he'd have to be he'd have to be like really, really good. Like he, he for him, he'd probably have to roll like a twelve to hit the team member that's right next to the opponent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Which is like not even, not a way I've ever seen any DM do it, so I don't even know how the I don't yeah. know how the party would handle that. The part the problem is that I feel like <laughs> that would be the would most accurate it. way to play, but the party would hate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the party would reject it. They tell us you'd, no. Yeah, you'd have to set that up in the beginning. Be like, this is how the roles. Yeah, work. have like a have like a meeting before you start the game. Yeah, being and like, then, this is how we're gonna try and then be consistent. Roles. Right? Exactly, and that's the hardest. So that's the and that's the hardest part of DMing. Is being consistent with if someone if someone rolls because because your party knows if someone rolls a twelve to persuade somebody and, and it fails and then someone else rolls a a a, a twelve and it and it wins uh, later there better be a reason otherwise the party's like that failed last time why did that fail right like I should have because because so much in D and D is dependent on the roles that you can have better armor, you can have better... Mm -hmm. Like, you can have so much if you roll better. Like, I own a business. I'm not going to say what type of business. um, In my campaign, because I rolled well and intimidated the the owner to give me the business. If I hadn't rolled well, I would not own that. And now I'm making money. I'm a business owner. I'm bringing down the economy of the entire (laughs) town. Like, (laughs) all because I rolled um, on. This was like, so so as a good example, actually, of a DM that did a good job. There's a campaign I was playing where there were two enemies that we were dealing with. One was an ogre, and one was, like, a gnome. I think they were a gnome. But they were were a sorcerer. and when I first walked up to them, we started a conversation, and I immediately tried to cast a spell on them. To, mm-hmm. uh, just a charm person, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I rolled like a 16 or something. Yeah. And they flicked it off. And everyone's like, what the? <laughs> um, and so after the game ends, because like it wasn't a big deal, because that, that the, no- the gnome sorcerer ended up actually not being in combat. They just sat back and watched more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and because of their plot point and what he was doing with them. We asked him after the camp or after that battle, after we had mm-hmm. gone, he was like, no, actually I have it in my notes. The only way you can do anything magically to the gnome is if you roll an at 20. Oh yeah. He's like, cause the, the gnome is supposed to be like probably the most amazing sorcerer you're ever going to. Yeah. You're not going to easily try. Like, you're not, you're not going to, you're not yeah. going to charm him. Like you got to roll a nat 20 to do anything. And even yeah. rolling nat twenties, 
it doesn't mean that you like you're gonna get what you want it means it's right. gonna affect him yeah exactly <laughs> like, and honestly well, at so, least they're fair with that yeah <laughs> and i think that's the one thing that i really love about dean so, so the thing i love about dnd is role playing battle like combat to me is boring Same. i don't i don't care how high Same. level we are you have your power, most powerful spell you use it until the thing dies then you use your second most powerful spell right. or attack until like, that everybody thing just dies wants to do the combat too and i don't i, I don't uh, yeah i don't understand for me role playing is so much fun. we like, need I, to play we need to do a campaign together i know right we, we, we can, i mean we, we can be ten, the 10 percent that convinces the group that combat isn't worth having Dude, we could no. We can easily. I mean, the group isn't going to be twenty people, right? We we're, we'll be like fifty to forty percent of the of the group. We could easily just be like, we don't really want to do much combat, and everyone will kind of go, oh, really? Why? We're like, it's just kind of boring, right? And then and then right, you start then you start being like, it's really boring, right? You just kind of wait and take turns, and then you just do your most powerful move because you want to kill them. And then once you're done Sometimes with that, you add a little line if you feel like you did something cool. Yeah. <laughs> then if like if you're rolling that twenty, oh yeah, I rolled that twenty, but like that just means you killed. That just means you like you get a critical hit and you do more damage. Whereas if, in role playing, if you're rolling that twenty, like you do something incredible in the world and you have mm-hmm. and you can have so much more gain. Right. And you basically like, just sell it that way, and then was like, yeah, I guess so. And like, cool, we're just gonna do like mostly role playing and and combat. And if I'm role playing. And I get engaged in a combat with somebody, then I, then I, then I, you know, I engage in right. combat with them. And that's the way that, but it's that's not the way a that dungeon. Combat, right. That's the way the combat should be constructed, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It, and I've, I've seen yeah. DMs do this well, where it's, we have a conversation with somebody that doesn't go well. Exactly. So they call their guards. And now I'm going to beat them up. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, snap. Oh, now we, I got we, we did that to the, me. This poor shopkeeper, our, we have a, our, our rogue stole all of his money. And he's like, everyone, who stole our money? And, like, we, like, we escaped. Like, he and I, we, we took the money and we booked it. We got out. But then our the rest of our party is trying to calm him down because he was obviously a plot point. And we had to, we kind of, like, metagamed. Like, we had we kind of knew that we, and the, it was a DM's first time ever. So we're trying to be really nice to him. And so they're trying to, like, calm down the guy. But they kept on rolling so badly that the DM's like, he takes out his sword and he's like, "Get out, or I'm gonna start cutting you." <laughs> and he, and then everyone's like, "Wait, really?" And Liam's like, "What do you, what do you expect me to do? This is a character. I don't, I'm not in control. It's their, he's their own character." You rolled a nat one. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> like then you were, you were trying to calm, the, you try to calm someone down, and you roll a nat one. The yeah. correct response is you offended them more. Yeah. Like that's exactly, exactly. what happened there. Exactly. <laughs> Like, yeah, the bottom 5% of people trying to calm somebody down. Imagine mm-hmm. how, like, imagine right. how that, that sounds awful. something to the effect of rub some dirt in it. Get over it. What the, yeah. What's your problem? What are you doing? Yeah, Let's right. Stop. What, what are you complaining about? Really? Yeah. Like, wow, you're whining. You're, you're, wow, right. wow. I like, really you know, don't. I used to know someone like you, and I, I don't associate with them anymore because they're stupid. Like. <laughs> it's like you just like that that's that's the bottom five percent trying to calm someone down no tact like no knowledge of like understanding human emotion at all like that's the yeah the bottom five percent so yeah that's the thing so that's what i really love and the thing that i think the special thing for me i was thinking about this is the fact that that dnd has built in character creation so i'm running i'm running a campaign for my for my siblings right now and I was like, cool, I want to create some characters. I need to create some bad guys, you know, for them. 
I clicked the buttons the, on the online character generator. I'm like, okay, cool. They're going to be this race. They're going to be this class. They're going to have these weapons. They're going to have, like, I'm like, okay, now they have a backstory. Now it can embellish a little bit, right? But the whole process of building a character and their strengths and weaknesses is all pretty much built for you. And you just need to fill in the gaps and be creative with it, which I love because versus writing like a fictional novel, creating a character from scratch with nothing. Um, I think that's just so much harder. Um, and then of course, then you, then as a DM, you get to role play various characters. You get to, you know, each character all of a sudden becomes, has a life of their own and they start, um, having feelings and they start reacting to things in certain ways and everything in D and D has life. And I just think that's so cool. Um, it's just, it just holds a really special place in my heart. Um, yeah, I would love like, um, like a, a, a RP like game. Where it's basically just okay, you're in this. You're in this. That like we, you, you're not gathering for a quest. You're not assigned to protect this thing. You simply meet at a bar, mm -hmm. and you just start talking, right? And that's it. And the DM, all the DM is really for is for doing checks, for being like, okay, well we go here. Okay, you go here. Okay, cool. There's this character here. And that requires a DM to be fast on Good. their feet. And to know, like, we probably want, we probably want Brennan to DM this. <laughs> um, dude, I would pay him to DM easily. I would probably, hey, I, hey, hey, Brennan from College Humor, if you're checking out our podcast, we want you to DM uh, yeah. a campaign for us. If, so. if I had the money, hey, I would, and anyone else who's listening, if you know him personally, send <laughs> it. Uh, I would. You never know. You don't know yeah. if you don't ask. <laughs> true. That is very true. Um. But I would, if I had the money, I would easily pay him ten thousand dollars to to DM for a weekend, and be like, "Look, this Brennan, is going to be." You just got an offer from Luke Maxwell. He's gonna pay you ten grand to DM for a weekend when I have the money. Um, as soon as you say yes. So why use the money the same day? But could you imagine? You just go, you go to cabin in the woods, or ideally my own private island. But you go to cabin in the woods, you sit down. You're like, okay, cool. We got food. We got snacks. We got everything that we need. We're going to sit down. We're going to play D&D for two days straight or three days straight, right? Uh, that sounds like so much fun. And then basically just roll. And then just – and the great thing because I think the problem – and that's what I don't understand when it comes to the combat. I'm like, that's the most boring part of D&D. You can do anything. Like you can cause – you can cause a riot. You can overthrow an entire kingdom if you, want, if you decide that you want to do it, right? Because it's possible. And the fact that you can learn spells and grow and advance, I'm like, combat's the most like boring thing you could possibly do with spell, with actual magic, right? Um, and so that's why it's just, ah, I love, I, I just, yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, that's actually a pretty fair point. Imagine, like, so I had a campaign recently where the ogre I mentioned, mm -hmm. I used whole person to hold him until everyone else killed him. Yeah. Right? Imagine that same spell as a negotiation tactic. Yeah. Hold person. I can hold you for up to, still for up to 10 minutes, and you can't stop anybody in my party from doing anything that we want. Yeah. Or. <laughs> <laughs> you go into a bar, boom, hold, hold the barkeep. So we could destroy this entire place. You couldn't stop us. We'll escape before you're free. Or you give us all your drinks for free. What's it going to be? Just for the night. Just for the night. Just for like, the night. Yeah, just, just for the yeah. night. 
They do it again. They do it again. <laughs> and then so but he's like, knew, but you, just, you were traveling probably anyway. So right, exactly. Probably, yeah, exactly. I know, and that's the mayor's office. Yeah, and that's the other thing about D&D. You can travel places. And there's magic to teleport places. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I just, yeah, that's why I just don't get them. Like, if, if any if any of you had actual magic, the last thing on your mind would be going to defeat, like, monsters. The first thing you would ever do is figure out how to benefit yourself in the real, in the real world. Right. And then maybe what? once you got bored, you one-punch man it and you just be like... Okay, I guess I gotta fight monsters. I guess that's not accurate. That's not an accurate comparison. Um, um no, but uh, what's the what's the new movie that came out that's magic exists but no one cares about it anymore? Oh, it's onward. Like onward. Okay. Um, it's like that kind of environment. Like, right. oh, you have all these amazing powers and you're living in a normal world. What would you do? And every once in a blue moon, you might think, okay. That shiny object does sound cool. Right. Let's go kill a dragon. Yeah, exactly. Like, but for the most part, it's like, no, like, we know it's there, but like... Yeah, why don't I just, I got like, stuff going on. Right. <laughs> like, I could make... I could, like, transform my house into a mansion using an expand spell. Right. Like, I'd rather do that right. than, than risk my <laughs> life. It's like, okay, but, like, what's, the, what, what's that thing do? Because if all that thing does is a kind of money... Like, yeah, I can get money without risking my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like what's like, what's the point? And I think oh. actually, actually a big barrier to that gameplay too, that I didn't even think about is, um, it requires, it actually requires the DM to do a pretty good job world building. Yeah. Um, I mean the, the DM that I'm in the campaign that I'm in right now, like there is no world. We don't have like, right. There's no it's understanding of any interconnection. It's just one shots uh, one yeah. after another. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like. On your and magical ghost we ship. Could, we could, yeah, right? Uh, we, we, we could create a world. Devin loves his magical ghost ship. <laughs> we we have a magical flying ghost ship, okay? Yeah. Like, that is that is something that, like, was not predicted. It was not part of the quest. It was not what we were going to win. If that was the treasure itself, I would do a quest. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, yeah. so, you, so you know how, like, you could get, like, this infinity stone, spot, wow. right? Like, okay, that's cool. Um... And, and here you could actually get a wish. Okay, right. that's cool. And then this campaign has a flying ghost ship. Oh, let's do the flying ghost ship. Yep. You know you can wish for a flying ghost ship. No, 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 no. Flying I ghost want, ship. I want to win want, it. I want to earn it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And and I think that's the biggest barrier, too, um, when it comes to DMing, is getting your characters to care about the, the camp, the, about the mm-hmm. missions itself, and not just going along with them because it's the campaign. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a. I mean, I know it's a. It's a new DM thing. Like that's what. <laughs> bless his bless his soul. He's <laughs> like, okay, you're all here. Like, cool. And we're just kind of like waiting for him to tell us what to do, like where to go. He's like, you can just explore. We're like, uh, okay, but like, what's? Why are we here? Like, we we don't right. know why we're in this town. Right. And then he's like, oh, you know, oh, it's because of this guy, you know. I'm like, oh, we do. Oh. And then apparently the guy's dead. I'm like. Oh, too bad. Right. Uh, by the way, my last character, I, 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 ever since my bard, every time we do a one shot, I try to make a really, like, just off the wall, like, fun character. My, my first one that I made, well, after the bard, was a, um, was a um, warlock, 
who was a rock musician at a time where the guitar didn't even exist. So the DM's like, fine, it's a one shot. So I'll just let you teleport from like the future. And like, he's like, you're, you're not from the future, but like you're from enough time to where the guitar had been invented. So I'm playing my guitar and none of my party knows what it is. Um, and I'm, and all of my spells are around pyrotechnics, around boosting my voice, around <laughs> manipulating audiences and all of them. Cause we're like level like eight or something. So like all of these massive spells all around producing a great rock show. Um, and I was like a punk, you know, like the punk, uh, hair, like I was just a punk warlock and it was so there cool, right? Is, there's a person in our campaign, a character in our campaign who is three kobolds stacked on top of each other <laughs> yeah. in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is still the best it's character the, I've seen. It's the, it's just, <laughs> it's just g- genius. Like the, the gameplay on that is just the creativity of what you can do with that is unlimited mm-hmm. it's amazing and um, so then the other funny one too is um that character is a monk yeah um, so i mean that's actually one where he's very entertaining in combat because mm-hmm. it's like okay um the two bottom ones throw <laughs> the top one <laughs> like, yeah um and just like crazy ridiculous stuff and it's like oh, right, okay. right. Um, and then the best thing about the character too is that the character is either insane or lying but you don't know which because from from everything the character says uh no he's he's one person (laughs) yeah (laughs) they'll Um, just like have in-game conversations about this where like um can one of you go grab whatever like there's there's just me (laughs) like and he's like yeah (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, nuanced stuff like that. He's like, you played the con so long that you stopped <laughs> believing it was a con. Right. Um, but then my other character, which I'm actually gonna resurrect uh, for this next one shot, I'm gonna kind of keep it and just change it a little bit. It's um, a mysterious. Can't resurrect him. If he's dead. He's dead. No, it's not. It's actually. It's, so it's a mysterious figure. No one knows. I mean, it's not a hammer hurt. No one knows anything about this figure, right? This character, right? Except that they're a detective for criminals. So if a criminal's if a criminal has something done to them, they contact this person, and then this person finds the and basically punishes like appropriately like punishes the person uh, who committed the crime against the criminal. And if, funny enough, so Clara, my she was happened to be at that one shot, and as a testament to how well we how like well we work. Uh, we were we were ta- I was like very stealthily like talking about my character like not really revealing anything, and then she texts me. She's like, "Wait a minute, I think we're I think we're I think you know me." I'm like, "Why would I know you?" And she's like, "She's like, wait, what are you?" I said, "Okay, fine, I'm a det- I'm a detective for criminals." She's like, "I'm a criminal," and so we had our own little pact to where we knew each other and like I had helped her out in the past, and so like uh, set- we're separate from our party because like our party's annoying. We don't like these characters, so we started doing our own little things. Um, and then she died. Serves her right. Criminal behavior never works out. (laughs) But I'm going to resurrect because we're doing another one shot and I'm going to, and we're level eight. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the same character just as a level eight. Um, have you seen the Hellboy movies? No, I have not. Hmm. I know, I've know Uh, of them, but I have not. I want, I want a, I want a D and D game in that world. That's all. Uh, what, what is it? I mean, the world isn't 
it, it it's very much like um i mean D D D is basically built on like tolkien's world right mm-hmm. um and so hellboy just did a good job of merging that with actual modern day cities and, um, okay so like it's both these things kind of exist there's there's elves there's magical creatures there's magic and it's still exists today and it's just kind of hidden and most people aren't aware of it interesting um, and so they do a good job of bridging the gap and making creative characters and mm-hmm. um that's the world i want to have a campaign in where it's like huh. yeah and actually in that campaign i would literally just want to be a human who would start it off completely unaware oh and then learn yeah like throw me into it and see how i handle and i'll probably die soon because i wasn't ready for this yeah and if i don't die then i become like star lord (laughs) like luckily like lucky and like always wins but never should like right that would be funny i i am a i am a fan of characters who have magical abilities but don't know it Mm-hmm. And so just like things just kind of luck around them. Um, there's a couple of examples in fantasy of that, but like one thing that always it always whenever I think of luck, I always think of um, this book series called the um, um, Devin, save me. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, wait. Um, I want to. I, I want to say the, I want to say the the Phantom Toll Booth, but that's a kids book which I also enjoy a lot. Um, it's okay. Just give just give them a ton of dead air. It's okay. Wheel time. Wheel time. There's a book series called Wheel Time. It is the longest book series you'll ever read. Not because it has the most books, because it feels like it has the most books. Um, just it's a massive fantasy, and anyone who reads fantasy knows of the Wheel of Time. Um, I'll never read it again because the one book it's the joke is that if you skip it, you won't realize you skipped it. Cause literally nothing happens. Like it's, it's 800 pages of just filler? nothing. Yeah. It's literally just it's a filler like, book. So it's like the book equivalent of one piece. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, so Brandon's the author died before he could finish it. And Brandon Sanderson brought in, who's my favorite author of all time. He was brought in to finish it, and there was supposed to be one book left, and it still took him three books. And you notice, as soon as you start his books, the books fly by. All of a sudden, you're like, wait, no, I'm not used to things happening this fast. <laughs> and so it still took him three books. And like the joke is, like, if the author hadn't died, the book series would still be going on till this day. Um, and he finished it years ago. But um, well, the main character... He's, you know, like the typical, it's not uh, the chosen one, I guess. It's not, it's not, it's, I guess it's the simplest way to describe him. You know, he has, you know, the power, he has, you know, very certain powers. He's the special. Things. Yeah, he's a, he's a special, right? But a factor of him being special is that luck bends around him. And so he'll it's walk like a into. character off of uh, Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. It is, he is. He actually, yeah. well, except it balances out. So he'll walk into a town and all of a sudden people just start dying by tripping. No, and, that that's the right? same thing that happens for her too. Like yeah. her being lucky is equivalent to, to other someone else being, being Yeah, but he's not lucky. It's just that luck itself bends around him. And so like he'll be like walking by like there's this one I it's like the one part of the book I actually remember is like someone like dropped a vase and it landed on the only spot it could possibly land on to not break, you know, and then bounce around and everyone kind of looks at it. 
right? And then that's when, and it's part of his character development where he's like, I need to like stay away from everybody because I don't know because it'll balance out. If something good happens to this person, something terrible is going to happen to someone over there, right? Um, and um, so it's basically around like his character basically like separating himself um, from other people because it's just, it's, it's basically such like, a huge curse to be around him. Um, amongst other reasons of power and things like that but uh really interesting magic system like women like like weave different out the different like aspects of the universe together to create different things so there's like there's like um instructional like there's actual real instructions being like you take this like aspect of the universe like let's say like um like i I forget what they are i think there's five different ones um and then you and then you create this pattern. Then you take this other aspect and you weave it into this pattern. You weave them together. And that's how you create like a dimensional door that you can walk through, right? Um, whereas men, I forget how do men do magic. I think it's just literally just like by, by like brute's will of like summoning things. Um, it's just it's just it's just an interesting interesting series for a lot of different reasons. Um, and then there's people who can like walk in dreams. And basically, there's a um, Freddy. What's what's his name? The guy who Freddy goes Kruger. in Freddy Krueger. Yeah, he basically he's basically Freddy Krueger. Um, like the whole there's a whole dream world. It's 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 a fascinating series. It's very large, very complex. But um, I think about it a lot when I actually when I play D and D because there's a lot of aspects to it. Um, that that did just you read the entire series. I did. It took me a long time. It took me I think at least six months. To get through it, there's 13 books. Each one of them is 800 to like 1,200 pages, and they're and it's yeah. And some of them are just long, and you're like, stop describing things and just get on with it. <laughs> just give me like give me some stuff, not just people just sitting there talking and describing what they're wearing because everyone wears something different every single time someone's talking um, together. But anyway, Devin. Have we overthought this? <laughs> we overthought something. <laughs> We're not exactly sure what, but <laughs> I think we solved D and D though, so that's a pretty big. No, win don't for say our that. Office. No, don't say that. I want to talk about D and D again though. We, we we can talk about D and D again. Okay, good. I think I think we just solved like how we should deal with nat twenties and nat ones. We did. That's true. Mm-hmm. We did. We decided how so we can deal with roles. That's a pretty good win for this podcast. It is a pretty good win. I mean, yeah. We actually and did something now, constructive. Right, now we have an episode that we can send people to, and we're going to tell them the timestamp, like, before they're allowed to play D&D with us. Exactly. It's like, I this love is that. How, yes. Just gatekeep people from playing D&D with me. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, it's their party, and I'm joining, I'm still mm-hmm. going to send them this podcast, yep. and go, yep. you have to listen to this, all 45 yep. minutes, 47 every minutes. Every single time someone's like, hey, do you want to join our campaign? Oh, yeah, I'd love to, if every member of the party is willing to watch this. Yeah, and, and, and understand it, and then play by these rules. Yep. yep. And then you get there and there's one person who did it. Be like, don't worry, we can watch it together. <laughs> Do an MLM pitch. Basically, just an MLM pitch. <laughs> but for D&D. <laughs> yep. Dude, like, no, we, my we character need, we'll dude, my character in D&D needs to create an MLM. Dude, it's genius. I can make essential oils in D&D. Dude. Do you want to create an MLM or just a true Ponzi? I mean, honestly, I, I can just create a true Ponzi. Like, there's no laws stopping me. Yeah. There's going to be a lot invented to stop me. And I love the thought of that. Yeah. It's like nothing, nothing that's illegal was illegal until somebody did it. And somebody exactly. said, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
I'm like, I'm like found a loophole. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, I don't even have to make it complicated. Just a true, yeah, just a true Ponzi scheme with me yep. at the top of the pyramid. Just keep telling people, you know, you give me a dollar, two weeks from now, I'll give you two dollars. Exactly. Everybody who gives you a dollar, you do the same thing. Exactly. And you just do that. Yeah. Dude. Look up, look up Charles Ponzi and just do literally what he did. Yeah. No. And that's how they became illegal. <laughs> yeah. um, is direct money. No, dude. I love the idea of starting the first MLM in our, in our, in our D&D world. Do it. Uh, anyway, we don't have a good way to end this like always. So, um... Devin, Luke. I you know, gonna... we started this. We started this where I was Luke, and I was, was wait. Who am I? Until Christ said this. Bum. Banana. Is that our outro? Da 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 da. Okay. I don't have I wonder if it'll actually light up. <laughs> <laughs>